In Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 23, the Bible says, When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source, from heaven or from men? And they began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, We do not know. He also said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I referenced this passage a couple of weeks ago as we began talking a little bit about the authority of the Scriptures. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the inspiration of the Scriptures. And this passage always stands out to me as Jesus had this interaction with uh, the chief priest and some of these individuals uh, during that time and how they asked this question about Bible or about authority. And while they were not um, being or asking this question with the right motives, nonetheless, we see here that this was an interaction and a couple of questions dealing with authority. And Jesus would emphasize the need for authority, the baptism of John. Who was it authorized by, by God or from man? And we know the answer to that. John's baptism was indeed from God. As we've been talking about this idea of the authority of the Scriptures, we've emphasized how the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, they are inspired words from God. And last week, we talked a little bit about unbiblical attitudes that in, in many individuals have when it comes to the authority of the Scriptures. This morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk about what Jesus teaches us when it comes to the topic of authority. I believe when we look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that we can learn a lot from our Savior about, about authority and how Jesus viewed authority and how Jesus submitted to his Heavenly Father and how we must also do the same. We recognize that God is the one who is in charge. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible begins by helping us to see the one, indeed, who has authority. And our responsibility is to submit to our Heavenly Father and to submit to His Son, Jesus, and making sure that we have the proper mindset as we consider the authority of the Scriptures. In the coming weeks, we'll dive into more uh, topics relating to Bible authority, how to establish Bible authority, and different examples that we can look at, and maybe just throughout the entire year. Uh, it won't be every week, every Sunday at 1040, but we'll address different things when it comes to the issue of Bible authority. For this morning, or this morning, what I would like to do is really just walk you through some scriptures, uh, walk you through some of the Gospels, and I want you to notice what we can learn from Jesus when it comes to the authority of the Scriptures. And what I'm going to do this week, I have, this, I have some Scriptures uh, listed on the slides here. So if you want to write them down, you may as we go ahead and begin reading. So as we look at the, the Gospels and we consider what Jesus teaches us about authority, one of the big things that we can take away from the Gospels and from the teaching of Jesus is that Jesus and his ministry emphasized that there is indeed a standard. When it comes to authority, there is indeed a standard. And what Jesus pointed people to, what he pointed people uh, to when it came to this idea of authority, he wanted to make sure that they recognized that God's word is indeed the standard. And this is something that we certainly need to emphasize as we talk to others, but not just for other people, but making sure we truly buy into this, that God's word is indeed the standard. 
And I wanted to share with you a couple of verses. The first is found here in Matthew chapter 19. If you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 19. Maybe a familiar passage to some. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse number 1, I want you to see the interaction of Jesus. And I want you to take note of where Jesus pointed people to. In Matthew 19 and verse 1, the Bible says, When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. Verse 2, And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Watch this, Have you not read? There's something powerful there. Have you not read? During this time, obviously, the, the, the words of the Old Testament, they were authoritative in nature. And he's reminding the people, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Well, therefore, God is joined together. Let no man separate. So as Jesus had this interaction, and this has taken place all throughout his ministry. The example we saw in Matthew chapter 21, the issue of authority came up. Now here in Matthew chapter 19, another issue with respect to authority is coming up. And notice that Jesus took people to the word of God. He took them back to the story of Adam and Eve. And so, number one, Jesus is making it clear that there's a standard, that God has given man a standard that we must know, which is why I think he's emphasizing, have you not read? Have you not read what Moses wrote in the book of Genesis? Indeed, there is a standard, a standard that men need to know and that men need to follow. A second example of what Jesus did here, pointing people to God's word as a standard, is found in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, I want you to notice again another interaction with some individuals. And on so many occasions, you had people going to Jesus and asking him questions, not necessarily because they were seeking the truth, but because they were trying to either trap Jesus or to find some fault with him. In Matthew chapter 22, and beginning in verse, verse number 22, the Bible says, And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. On that day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him. So they're going to be asking him about some issues pertaining to the resurrection. Asking, Teacher Jesus, uh, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother as next of kin shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us. So they're going to give him this, uh, uh, this uh, situation and they're going to look for an answer. Now there were seven brothers with us and the first married and died and having no children left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had married her. But Jesus answered and said to them, watch how he answered, you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures. So again, he's going back to the word of God, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So it gives us some details about what things are going to be. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read? You see, he's taking them again back to the word of God. Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? He's going to go back to, in verse number 32, Exodus chapter 3, where Moses had this interaction with God, and he said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. 
And what we find here, again, Jesus emphasized there is a standard, and that standard is what God has said in his word. Something else to note, too, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus believed in the story of Adam and Eve. He believed in the Genesis account, and he also believed in the story of Moses and the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. And that's something certainly that I hope and pray that all of us believe in. But the bigger point, though, is Jesus was emphasizing there is a standard, and that standard is God's word. The third passage is Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. And we can just start off in verse number 1. The main emphasis here is going to be found in verse number 4. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I believe he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8 there in verse number 3. And what I want you to notice, and this was not the only time that he would do this, but Jesus, as he has this interaction with the devil, where, where is he appealing? Where is he going? He's going back to the standard with how he's going to respond to the things that the devil said. It is written. Time and time again, what we find here is that Jesus went back to the Word of God. And this is the standard that we all need to follow. And this is important as we think about the authority of the Scriptures. There is indeed such a thing as a standard. And this standard is available for all men to know and hopefully for all men to read. Jesus emphasized to those who were religious in nature, have you not read? who were supposed to be knowledgeable of the Word of God, and yet they had not fully understood and had not read and bought into what the Scriptures had been teaching. Now, as we think about this idea of the standard and God's Word being the standard, part of the challenge that many people have, and maybe even along with even among brethren at times, um, is, is not going to the Word of God and not finding out exactly what it is that God wants us to do. There are so many voices in our society of what we need to do and how we need to act and how we need to worship and how we need to live. And I think part of the biggest challenge is sometimes we just don't go back to the Word of God. Or maybe we do go back to the Word of God and we're not really buying into what God has to say in His Word. And so as we think about this idea of authority, we have to fully buy into the fact that God's Word is authoritative in nature. And let me tell you why this is so important. It's easy to agree with this, but at times, if not careful, when it really hits home, whether it's in the family, God has given us a standard with how we interact with one another even in the home. God has given us a standard with how we interact and worship together on the first day of the week. God has given us a standard even when it comes to marriage and who can get married and the roles of men and women in a local congregation. This is where it often becomes challenging. And so we really got to buy into this that God's word is indeed the standard. And let me give you a couple examples of some points of application that we can make. When you think about what Paul taught, the Bible gives it, makes it very clear that there are, there's a standard, there's a pattern that we're supposed to follow even in a local congregation, in particular between roles of men and women. And one of the biggest challenges today is this idea of not fully submitting to the authority of God, in particular when, when some sometimes look at the role of the woman. I think there's so much misunderstanding about the role of women in a local congregation. 
Both men and women are vital in doing the work of God. And the Bible says so much about the work of men and also the work of women. And yet the Bible is also clear that there is a standard to be followed. There is a distinction between what a man and what a woman can do. And let me give you an example of this in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 11 and 12. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 11 and 12. Paul said, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. And we could do an entire sermon. I think one day I'm going to do an entire sermon on this. But I just want you to notice at this point in time that God has given us a standard to follow. When it comes to the roles of men and women in the local church, notice what Paul said here. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. One of the biggest challenges today, particularly in religion, is the idea of women preachers. And sometimes people want to know, hey, do you guys have women preachers? And is it okay for a woman to preach? Well, Paul gives us the answer to that question in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And this is where many things begin to, to come up. Well, you guys just aren't fair, or maybe this is being sexist or maybe you're looking down upon women. This has nothing to do with any of that. My point that I want you to see is that there's a standard that God has given us, and we have to appeal to the standard. We don't listen to what everybody else may say. Our job and responsibility is to make sure that we listen to what God says in his word. And now, I understand there's some more things that we can unpack with this, but for the moment, I just want you to see that there's a standard that's supposed to be followed when it comes to roles in the local church, particularly what uh, women can do and what men can do. This point becomes important, as I mentioned, too, when it comes to the family. Look over again in 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to be sure that as I talk about the authority of the Scriptures, that it's not just with respect to what we do here on Sunday morning. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's a pattern for us to follow, even after we leave, uh, when it comes to our interaction with one another. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul's going to touch on the family relationship. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now think about everything Paul has just said there. There's so much application to be made, and what I want you to notice is that God has given us a standard when it comes to how we interact even in the home. God has given us a standard with how we treat our husbands and with how we treat our wives, with how we treat one another. And it's not just with husbands and wives, it's even with respect to children. In Ephesians chapter 6, God has given you a standard to follow, and you need to submit to his authority. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1, Paul said, in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, this, the, the verse is already up there. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. God says, look, I've given you a standard to follow too. And you need to submit to this standard. You need to honor your father and mother, which means you need to be respectful to mom and dad. You see, God has given us a standard when it comes to how we conduct ourselves uh, around others. In Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, verses 9, 10, 11, that's the other passage I have up. So let me go ahead and just talk about that here real quickly. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 9, 10, and 11, as Jesus, this was a continuation from what we read earlier in Matthew 19, Jesus is going to give instruction when it comes to divorce and why one uh, can get divorced uh, in the eyes of God and the ramifications of this decision that people are going to make. And Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 9, Jesus said, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another man commits adultery. Now, a lot of people don't like that. But our job is to do what? Recognize there is a standard. Recognize there is a standard. And that God's word is a standard. The disciples said to him, look at their response. If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. They're exactly right. Sometimes it may be better just not to marry. You know, individuals do not have to get married. You can remain single and be okay in the eyes of God. But they recognize, wait a second, this is powerful with what Jesus is saying. And he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. All I want you to see right now is God said, Jesus said, there is a standard. And he, he, he's making it very clear. This is the standard. The words I'm giving you, this is the standard that you need to follow. And let me say something else, and this is where it gets challenging too. Remember what Jesus said earlier in Matthew chapter 19 when, he was asking, when they asked him this question. He said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You see, God has given us a standard even when it comes to who can get married, male and female, a man and a woman. That's who marriage is designed for. And yet there's so many things that people are saying in our society today. God's word is a standard, not what individuals may say, not what individuals may teach. And so making sure we understand this becomes really powerful. It can be easy to say, okay, yeah, I understand that God's word is a standard, but when it comes to the application, when it comes to what we do in our homes, when it comes to relationships, this is where the challenge can often begin to arise. And so our responsibility is to make sure that we fully buy into this idea that God's word is the standard. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's word to be the standard? Jesus believed that. He, po he points us back to the word of God. Let's make sure that we have that attitude. And let's make sure that we have this mindset as well. When you look at Jesus in his life, when you look at Jesus, Jesus emphasized doing the will of God. He emphasized doing the will of God. And what we find all throughout his ministry, and I believe this is really powerful, he always sought to do the will of God. He always emphasized, I want to be pleasing to my heavenly father. Can I give you some examples to show this to you? I want you to notice this because I think this is really important as we think about authority. 
because our attitude is really going to go a long way when we think about what is it that God wants me to do. So many times today we want to find out what is it that I should do or what's going to make me happy. We need to be thinking about what's going to make God happy. What is it that God wants me to do? The first example of how Jesus submitted to his Father is found in John chapter 12. Look at John chapter 12 with me, please. In John chapter 12 and verse 48, 49, and 50, Jesus, he said this in John chapter 12 and verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative. Notice what he says here. But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. You see the attitude of Christ and what he did while he was on earth? He said, the words that God has given me, this is what I've said. I'm doing all of this because this is what God wants me to do. I did not speak in my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Jesus submitted himself to the Father. He was only seeking to do the will of God. A second example of this is found in John chapter 4 after the interaction between the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 as his disciples were returning in John chapter 4. We find Jesus speaking to them or the disciples speaking to him in John chapter 4 and verse number 31. John 4 and verse 31 the Bible says, meanwhile the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Uh, Jesus said to them, my food, listen to this, here it is. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You see, that's the mindset that Jesus had. And that's the attitude that we must have. His mindset was, I'm here to do the will of God. That's my goal. That's what I'm going to go after. That's what I'm going to accomplish, simply to do God's will. Turn over to one chapter over, John chapter 5. You find a long interaction here, and I'll put these verses, or just put one verse up. Uh, You can read the entire context for yourself, but right now I just want to focus on verse number 30. In John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Listen to what he says. But because, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, he was concerned about doing the work of God, concerned about doing his will. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges when it comes to the authority of the scriptures. Yes, we know that the, the word of God is the standard. But how often do, does our will get in the way of doing what God wants us to do? That's the challenge where I think many people fall into, whether it's with marriage, whether it's with worship, whether it's with our family dynamics, whatever the case may be. Our job is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to simply do the will of God. Staying in the Gospel of John, look at John chapter 8, and I want you to notice in verse number 29. In John chapter 8 and verse number 29, I want you to notice what Jesus said here. John chapter 8 and verse number 29. And I recognize we're picking things up in the middle of a context, but for the sake of time, I just want to emphasize a couple of verses here. In John chapter 8 and verse number 29, and he, Jesus said, And he sent me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Watch what he says next. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. I love that language. I always do what is pleasing 
to him. And when you really look at the context, I was studying this last week with Jade and Anna, this is powerful because he's talking to uh, these Jews who say, look, we got Abraham as our father, and we haven't, we've, we've never been in bondage, and, and you're the problem, Jesus. And Jesus is going to make it very clear, no, you're the problem. Because I'm always seeking to do the will of God. I'm always seeking to do what is pleasing to him. You, on the other hand, your father is the devil. He's going to make that point very clear. And so this point that Jesus is making in verse number 29 is really powerful. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Spotlight was on the Father. It was on God. And that's the mindset that we have to have. When it comes to the authority of the Scriptures, we're not going to have problems with baptism and whether or not it's essential for salvation because we're going to do what is pleasing to God. We're going to simply listen to what the Bible has to say. There won't be issues when it comes to whether or not a woman can have authority over a man because as we study the scriptures and dive into the word of God and understand how to establish Bible authority, we're going to see that a woman does not have that authority over a man. But if we don't have this mindset that we simply want to do what is pleasing to the Father, pleasing to God, that's when troubles arise. That's when men and women and even brethren begin to kind of deviate from the authority of the Word of God. This is our mission. And let me tell you how powerful this really is. When Jesus was in the wilderness, look over in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39, when Jesus was in the wilderness, I'm sorry, when Jesus was in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, I'm back in Matthew chapter 4. Let me fast forward here to Matthew chapter 26. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane in verse number 39, I want you to notice the mindset that he had. And remember where he is and what's about to happen. He's going to be seeing these lanterns and these men that are getting ready to come to him and getting ready to crucify him. They're going to kill him. They're going to put him through this terrible trial, and they're going to eventually put him on the cross. And notice the mindset that he had in Matthew 26 and verse 39. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You guys know what he's going to say next, right? Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. You can't help but be impressed by the mindset, the attitude of Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. And when you add to the fact the situation he found himself in, that makes it even more impressive. Not my will, but your will be done. It can be easy sometimes to have this mindset when it comes to things that maybe don't even have a direct impact upon us. What about when things really start to impact our lives with what God has to say in his word and how that's going to have an impact in our life? That may be where the challenge really comes. And that's the mindset. This is the mindset that we must have. Not my will, but your will be done. And when we have this mindset, we won't, we won't have any problems when it comes to the authority of the Scriptures. Jesus recognized God's authority. He lived to be pleasing to God, and Jesus had the right attitude. And the question for all of us today, will we? Will we have this same mind that we see in Christ? 
you add whatever situation that may be. Well, we have this same mindset. As we think about the authority of the Scriptures, do we have the attitude that we want to submit to our Heavenly Father and that we will submit to our Heavenly Father? So much of our Bible, our Bible authority comes down to attitude, how we even view the Scriptures, the authoritative nature of the Scriptures, and whether or not we're going to listen to them. Young people, I want you to think about this. We had a great Devo last night. We had 24 young people. We, had, we talked about the authority of the Scriptures. We're kind of going through that in our Devos as well. Young people, think about this in your life. This includes you. Are you going to submit to what God has to say, what your Savior Jesus has to say when it comes to how you listen to mom and dad, when it comes to the decisions you make in your life? You see, this has impact for all of us. And if Jesus submitted himself to the Father, how much more should we? When we fully grasp the mind that Jesus had, this is how we won't have issues when it comes to Bible authority. This is why and this is how we can do exactly what God wants us to do. And this attitude was not just found merely in the Gospels. When you read the epistles, I wanted to share with you a couple examples. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 for, uh, for a moment. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, these are not on the slide. 2 Timothy chapter 2, as Paul was uh, beginning to wrap up his letter to Timothy, he's going to remind him to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and to remember the resurrection. And I also want you to notice as he uses some examples about suffering and being this good soldier and he talks about the athlete and the farmer. Notice what he said in verse 4. He said, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You see, I think he's driving home this point as well, that you don't get entangled with these things. You, you, you want to do the things that are going to be pleasing to the one that you're serving. And even Paul would emphasize this mindset in his letters. Over in Colossians chapter 1, I want you to notice in verse number 10, Colossians chapter 1, and then we'll wrap it up in Colossians chapter 3. Look over in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number, verse number 10. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10. Paul would say this, he said, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Listen to what he says next. To please him, there it is, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the mindset we're supposed to have in our walk with King Jesus and our walk with the Lord we're going to submit to him. We're going to listen to his words. We're going to recognize the authority of the scriptures, and we're going to seek to simply be pleasing to him in all respects. And he would say something similar in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 23 and 24. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 and 24, Paul would say, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. You see, when we have this mindset of simply striving to do the will of God and appreciating and recognizing that God's word is indeed authoritative and having this mindset that Jesus had, then things are going to go well for us. But it begins by making sure that we understand that there is such a thing as a standard. That standard is God's word. And then how we handle that standard. Are we going to simply strive to do what is pleasing to our Heavenly Father? Will we honor and revere our Heavenly Father and His Son? All authority has been given to Him. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and 19. Are we going to submit to Him? Are we going to honor Him the way that He deserves?
Let's be sure that this mind is the mind that we have as we consider the authority of the Scriptures. While we're in Colossians chapter 3, let me just conclude by again reading, and we sang this song in verse 17, or a song connected to this verse, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's the mindset we're supposed to have. All that we do, we do it by the name of Jesus or by the authority of Jesus Christ. We've had souls that have been saved here recently who submitted to the authority of God. And listen, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're visiting. What we are striving to do at the West Main Congregation is simply teach the Word of God and to help people to understand God's will for them and to be pleasing to God by submitting to His will, to His authority. And we want to encourage you to do the same. If you have not been delivered from your sins, rescued from your sins, saved from your sins, Jesus can save you today. His blood is still effective. He can wash away all your sins if you're willing to submit to his word, to his authority, and to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what we find in the standard. Will you have the mind to do what is pleasing to God? We hope and pray that you will. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.